Sure. Um, so, kind of what's been going on at Dojo U has been really great this week. Um, I've had several really fantastic classes. Um, from let's see, the ones that I'm I'm doing, we did several stress bays over the last two weeks. Um, small little stress bays talking about um, pulsing and and uh, ASAP, ALAP kind of idiom in in the context of a stress bay, a small short musical stress bays. We also had Donald's uh, first premium Hebrock class. It was this past Monday. It was really a fantastic class. We went through two tunes, one short, one big. Um, so it was the finger lock and the company's lament. Yeah, I think um, uh, I think Donald is hoping to join us sometime during this yes. broadcast. Um, he's going to go. He's going to talk about famous P rock for a little while, which one of the ideas we had last week is that we had sort of a brainstorming show. He said, "Hey, I'd like to hear more, you know, bagpipe bag legends and stories." So we thought the person to call for that would definitely. Carl, I would say definitely. I think that's kind of been um, the theme of the week, hasn't it? Where uh, we've talked about a lot of the fundamentals that we teach at the dojo, which are, you know, um, a little bit different than um, uh, a little bit different than maybe fundamentals you'd see elsewhere. But uh, we spent a lot of time going over those, and people seem to be really kind of picking up fast on those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is the the second week I've done a small stress bay and. Had a lot of the same people in uh, the second week, and um, they're definitely picking up that um, strong week, strong week pulsing in, in a stress space. So it's really a great thing to check out and, and see the kind of fundamental fundamentals there if you haven't seen those recordings. So um, that's a, what's going on, Dojo. You kind of in my corner. How about you, Andrew? Uh, you know, I, I think it's been pretty much the same thing. I mean, we've done uh, – what else have we done? Oh, I'm turning my camera back on. I know a hint when I see one. Okay. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've been getting up every morning. Um, I've been getting into work at roughly 6.55 in the morning, and uh, which actually I like. I'm a morning person. I get in nice and early, and uh, I've been having 7.30 a.m. classes, which um, we've had no fewer than four people in all the classes, which is pretty cool. Um, we've been learning tunes and working on technique mostly. And then also on Friday, we have a help session on Friday mornings where – and what a help session is, for those who aren't familiar, is uh, it's a session where you can sort of sign on and ask any question that you want, um, you know, and, and we work on it. The, uh, Mark Dubois has also been doing some of those later in the evening. Uh, he's another Oren Moore Pipe Band member um, who um, <clears throat> is a great teacher and a phenomenal piper. He's also got uh, probably one of the best ears – in the world, I don't know. That's probably a stretch, but he's certainly um, uh, a great. He tunes the drones in Oren Mar, and he's a really uh, uh, got a really talented ear. And um, he also knows knows and believes in our philosophies here and teaching at the dojo. So um, he's sort of new to the scene. We we invited him on and gave him a crash course on how to use the software. And so he's been teaching with us for the past couple of weeks. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, that, you know, that more or less wraps it up. Um, all of the classes that we've taught are available in our archives. So um, if you missed any of those classes, especially the 7.30 a.m. ones, uh, you know, if you missed some of those, you can watch the replay. And it's going to look exactly like the class looked. The only difference is that you're not there live, but um, you can watch those. And if you have any questions, you can contact us with questions. So I think what we'll do at this point is maybe um, bring Vin on and 
Uh, Vin is a co We used to do the Bagpipe Nation um, podcast, and um, Vin was with us there. We sort of changed the name a little bit. Of, uh, we changed the name of what we're doing just so that it's sort of a little bit more in line with our dojo uh, business and culture that we're trying to work on here. But uh, Vin came back on. There he is. It's um, Is that a good hair day or a bad hair day? I don't know. It's kind of a normal hair day. I think I got to get a makeup crew in here before I start these shows, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, I thought uh, what what Vin does, which we really admire, and um, uh, we've been involved in helping him. He runs the Pipe Hacker website, which is not apparently about hacking into computers or anything like that. <laughs> it's it's more um, it's more about uh, taking bagpiping and really you know bringing it into your own hands and and doing things um, your own way and this that and the other thing. But don't let me. Um, uh, I don't want to introduce it. Uh, maybe then, what you could do is explain it, and also tell us what's going on. Sure. Yeah. As a, you know, as Andrew said, uh, you know, pipe hacker is like more of a, you know, taking bagpipes and sort of tapping into that DIY, uh, you know, thing, and uh, really doing as much your, on your own as you can. Um, I think bagpipes have been a pretty self-sufficient. Uh, bagpipers have been a pretty self-sufficient group for a very long time, and a lot of the a lot of the things that we do have been homegrown. Uh, solutions to problems we've all encountered, be they you know water traps or you know seasoning recipes or what have you, you know. Um, so you know that's what I try to do on Pipe Packer. Pipe Packer is really like about you know little projects you can do that uh, sort of add to your instrument as well as um, you know tapping into your own mind, you know, and, and hacking yourself to be a better musician and a better piper and have a better instrument and things like that. So. Um, you know, people go there. You can find all kinds of different projects. Like the latest project I had up there was uh, making your own bagpipe gauge. You know, I think oh, lately you've seen a lot of commercial uh, products that um, you know sort of teach you how to blow steady and have a little gauge that you know sort of corks into your drones or something and uh, allows you to do that. So I've I've come up with a, a DIY recipe for making your own. If you want to take a look at this, is my my solution. And uh, there's a step by step up on the. Uh, on the website, um, this uses a, a blood pressure sphygmomanometer, which measures uh, millimeters of, mer- of, of mercury, actually. So, but you know, the point is really just to get you uh, blowing steady or diagnosing air problems. Really, is what I what I like to use things like that for is really diagnosing uh, issues that might you might encounter with your maintenance and stuff. So, um, and Andrew's brought up the website. Tell me about your uh, Small Tunes podcast because. Uh, um, you have some pretty eccentric things going on here. <laughs> yeah, the small the small tunes. You know, the small tunes grew out of a, a, a habit I have of going through old uh, collections. You know, um, and you know, back in the day, you know, these these you know we we sort of take it as a sense of pride to be able to play you know large big tunes. You know, whether you know they're big reels or big marches and things like that. And you know, a lot of pipe bands you know take it as a source of pride to be playing. You know. Uh, six parts of music in every tune of an MSR or something like that, but you know, it wasn't always that way. And and you know, most pipers played little tunes. They were two parters, maybe at the most eight bars of music, and uh, you know, they were either you know play for dancing or enjoyment or just entertainment and things like that. And uh, you know, there's a, there's thousands of them, thousands of them, and and a lot of them even haven't been played um, for I would say more than a hundred years uh, and and plus. You know, on the bagpipe, you know, they're just hidden and they've just been forgotten or, you know, tossed aside and things like that. And some of them are really unique melodies, uh, some of which came into the traditional repertoire once, maybe a generation or two ago, and 
than than just got lost and forgotten. So I'm, my attempt is to bring them back. And you know, a lot of them require a little more modern treatment. Uh, you know, the past past treatment of, of the tunes were a little idiomatic in in, in their uh, sort of uh, notating of embellishments and even playing of the embellishments, and so they require a little bit a little bit of massaging. But hopefully, I've uh, maintained their original character. You know. Uh, the, late, the latest tune up there is a tune called Thump the Bitches, <laughs> which was too good not to do, you know. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's from, a, from a, the, the first bagpipe tutor book ever printed, which was back in 17, if I remember correctly, 1746. It was a tutor uh, by John Goggin uh, called Complete Tutor for the Pastoral or New Bagpipe. Um, so that's your, that's your bit of trivia. Right there. So that's the ver- first book of bagpipe music ever printed, and, and this little tutor book has this uh, this tune "Thump the Bitches" in there, which is uh, uh, sort of a nice little melody. I've sort of a, the, probably the pa- not. Uh, it's probably not the B word in the usual sense of the word. <laughs> Definitely not. Although, although you know, it, it's you know, it, "bitch" has been used as, uh, to, to refer to female dogs for a very very long time, at least uh, at least a thousand years. Um, so, uh, but it's also been used to uh, refer to. Um, you know, lewd or promiscuous women since like probably the 15th century. So, I don't know. You, you use your imagination there. Um, what, um, what's what is the um, what is the Pipers uh, comic all about? Because Pipers. <laughs> I these things. Um, <laughs> most people I talk to are like, "What the heck is he doing with the?" Comic? Yeah, you got you got to have you know you got to sort of like suspend. Just, it's they, they're a little bit uh, surreal and uh, you know ironic in most cases. Hopefully. Um, they are they are actual conversations, uh, but amongst pipers uh, taken from various uh, sources on the internet. Um, so the pipers being a uh, sort of a play on sort of more a modern sort of computerized piper pipers version. And uh, these are these are actual discussions <laughs> in order, <laughs> in you know in sequence uh, that, that that have been pulled. Um, and it's more or less just to highlight more or less the. Uh, the silliness that pipers really sort of get into, you know, whether it's because of, you know, I'm just trying an attempt to be funny, which doesn't always succeed, or, uh, you know, just general sort of, I don't know. There's there's a lot a lot of sources on the internet are, are are wastelands as far as I'm concerned when it comes to actual knowledge or information. So, you know, the pipers trip is more like just a sort of a play on that, just to sort of highlight the the silliness of it all, you know. Playing together is like chasing the impossible dream. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to objectify subjectivity, and this cannot be done. It's deep, man. It's deep. (laughs) Exactly. I know. And then it looks like this fellow here is suggesting a good way to start is to practice in a circle. So uh, anyway, I I love the the Pipers. It comes out every week, right? Every, Every week, yeah. I've tried to sort of maintain that. Uh, and throw it up there. I, I had a, you know. Now wait a minute. It looks like that judge is only thinking about a meat pie. <laughs> I suspect that many of them are just thinking about meat pies. There's a truck just next to the pipe band circle, and they're 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 thinking about lunch, you know. <laughs> or the beer tent is close by, you know, and the yes. contest is almost over. <laughs> so tell me, um, before we move on, tell me, you know. Some uh, projects that are going to come up, some stuff to look for on. Some stuff to look for. I got I got a couple of things coming up. Uh, you know, it's things been quiet there for a while, but I'm sort of waiting for inspiration to strike. But I have a coming up. I got a. Um, I'm going to be sort of taking a step by step approach to some of these DIY channer read making kits that are out there. There's a couple out there that, uh, by uh, a couple of makers that um you know 
what they promise is you can make your own working channel read. So you know what? I'm going to do it, <laughs> and I will uh, share the results uh, on PyPacker and see, uh, you know, which of them produces the best the best result. Um, you know, their pitfalls maybe, um, and and some of the things. So um, that should be fun. That'll take a little while. And we also got uh, there's a on the internet if anyone wants to do a search. Um, someone's posted uh, instructions as well as code to program your own electronic channer. So uh, that could be a fun project as well. That takes a little bit of, a little bit more work than the typical project that's up on PyPacker, but um, you know it should take a little more. It's, most of the projects are something you could do in in a weekend, you know, um, or a day on the weekend. But this one's going to take a little more, a little more work and a little more time probably. But hopefully the results will be interesting and fun. Um, cool. Well, uh, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, one of the things I want to bring forward is that, you know, um, Vin's a good friend and he does play in the band, but uh, we also really think what he's doing at Pipe Hacker is really cool. Um, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say I agree with everything that Vin writes, but I, I don't think <laughs> that's the point. You know, uh, contrary to perhaps other people in the pipe band world that have emerged recently, um, you know, I think Vin's got a really cool thing and it's really, um, you know, uh, to be a little bit cheesy, but it's really an extension of himself. Um, it expresses his interests, and um, you know, obviously, uh, Vin's a really good, uh, uh, highly competitive grade one uh, piper, and so he knows what he's talking about, and uh, it's pretty cool. So we hope uh, lots of people will check it out. So uh, you know, uh, and Vin will be with us for most of our future shows because uh, he's articulate and helps keep me from going too far off. <laughs> So anyway, I'll close that out and uh, bring this back up. And uh, anyway, I, I think what I what I want to get to next because I, I think Donald is um, uh, Donald is coming hopefully sometime around the middle of the hour. Um, let me know if anyone sees him. Uh, John asked a good question there, Ben. Is that uh, the Oren Moore pipe band in the comics? Because I've asked. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's like I, I I rendered those so long ago. I don't even know. I think that the newest one with with uh, the judge sitting there is not or more. I can tell you that for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, but it's it's possible that the the other one could be a piece of a, of a picture of or more that I've had. But if it is, it's an or more picture I've had for for years. So it's it may or may not include current members. Um, uh, but it also could be a band that I snapped at at Loon Mountain or something like that too. I, was messing around with a lot of pictures at the time. I don't know. It, that's, yeah. I think that's what's good about it. You know, it could be anybody, right? Yes. <laughs> Just the dojo logo, right, Carl? <laughs> Even though it's clearly me and the logo, right? But uh, it's supposed to represent. It's supposed to represent every piper. You know, it's all of us. Okay, uh, but I digress. Um, so. The, one of the in interesting things that uh, emerged, I got a text message on Monday night from uh, one of my friends saying, uh, Andrew, have you gotten your voice yet? And I said, no, I haven't gotten my voice yet. And um, uh, people, I think it's because they ship it out. They ship the voice out um, sort of uh, periodical rate, right? Then you yeah. Notice. Yeah, and, and, so it's, and, it's, and depending on the region you live in, it could take forever or it could come like the next day. <laughs> yeah, know? it takes a variety of different periods of time for people to get their voice. So I, I got it. I finally got mine yesterday. Um, and uh, and app apparently, according to my friend, which is now confirmed, um, um, uh, Mr. Rab Wallace from the College of Piping was not pleased with some comments that I had written about the Green Book. And um, he wrote some words about me to the editor. 
And um, anyway, uh, I thought what I'd do is, uh, this is kind of an interesting topic, and I definitely want to respond uh, to Reb. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not overly upset about what happened. Uh, one of the reasons is because um, sales have been higher than ever before for activities <laughs> since discovery. So, um, so that's okay. And no, but in, in all seriousness, um, I'm, you know, uh, it's certainly within his rights to defend his green book, and I have some thoughts on the matter. But uh, anyway, I thought what I'd do is introduce what I wrote first. And this is an article um, which is on the screen, and if you're listening to this later, um, you can read it in the... I think it's in the... Uh, I'll check what issue this was. Is it the one before, the winter issue, before this? It was two issues before, I believe. Two issues. Uh, I think, and I'm just going to... I have the magazine here. Fall of 2011 is the issue that I first published this, and... Um, Basically, um, I invented a tutor system that um, embodies how I approach teaching the bagpipes. And the reason that I decided to do this was because um, I find that there are significant downfalls with traditional ways of learning the pipes. And uh, to me, the Green Book is actually the quintessential um, uh, tutor when it comes to the sort of... uh, typical way that people learn the pipes and um, you know um, so anyways here, here's what I wrote um, which is kind of you can see down in uh, by the way if I sync this up yeah so down here uh, flaws in the traditional way of learning the pipes I thought I'd just read a little bit from it um, it's, it can be kind of hard to read there on the screen but I have the um, copy of the uh, um, of the article here in front of me. So um, anyway, so this is just an excerpt. Those who have learned from me, perhaps at a workshop or as a member or onlooker to the Oranmore Pipe Band approach, know that I don't subscribe to the idea of piping as a linear process. For me, the major downfall of this approach, which is uniformly the approach of our standard tutors, is the idea that somehow by adding A plus B plus C together, uh, these finger moves and terminology, which often seem daunting and random, will eventually turn you into a piper. To me, the linear process laid out in these tutors is so far removed from the realities of music making that I sometimes speculate it does more harm than good. Sure, it teaches you the notes of the scale, but it also ingrains anti-musical notions that will haunt your technique and musicality for years. Um, Maybe that's a bit insightful. (laughs) Uh, It's radical, dude. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I, I do believe this, though, and I uh, I won't... try to um i won't try to apologize for believing that that's just been my experience right so um, anyway to continue on to give one example one of the great ironies i often witness around the games is how the d throw is the least accurately or consistently executed movement by pipers of all levels including the professional level it's ironic because this is almost universally the first embellishment pipers learn it was certainly the first embellishment i learned as prescribed by the green book Uh, I think that's the first mention of the Green Book. Uh, It was only recently, after a decade of playing at the professional level with top bands, that I myself have finally tamed the style of my own D-throw and am able to do so consistently. Could it be that this movement is introduced to pipers way too early in the learning process? In the Green Book, the D-throw is introduced in order to learn your first tune, Scott's Wahey. 
to me, this creates a loophole logically. How is it that we are now learning to embellish something that we haven't even learned how to do yet? The dethrow is a finger technique that embellishes a pipe tune, but we are learning this without ever having played a pipe tune. How does that work? How can any activity be embellished before you learn the activity itself? It's no wonder, to summarize, that the dethrow is played incoherently by a large segment of the bagpiping population. The idea behind the Green Book and most other recognized teaching volumes is that a piper should learn the mechanics of piping in a certain linear order, which will eventually enable him to play a standard repertoire of tunes. To me, these tunes don't become music as a result of the tutor. They're a collection of instructions that let a novice sound like a piper without actually becoming a piper. How is one supposed to understand what they are doing? Uh, I think I read that right. Yeah. Where are they going to go next? Some are fortunate enough to have talented, wise, experienced instructors, like I was fortunate to have. But what about the rest of us? Right. That's the big. That's the bulk of what I wrote. Um, and then uh, a bit later in the article, um, I did mention it again when it comes to um, you know. And you're welcome to read that. But, that's the bulk of what I what I wrote, um, and I, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't in attempting to disparage the Green Book, you know, um, as something that doesn't have any worth. And quite to the contrary, I think that these traditional tutors are really valuable, um, but uh, they they lack something really important to me as a teacher. And, um, that's what I was trying to get out of the article. But anyway, um, if we scroll down, we can see Mr. Wallace's um, response to um, to the article. Uh, by the way, apparently today's broadcast is brought to you by the Bagpipe Cradle, which is uh, which got scanned in with the articles. Um, we're more than glad to help promote that product on our show. But um, anyway, uh, the next uh, you know the next thing that happens in the voice is uh, I don't know Vin do you want to read do you want to read as Mr. Wallace <laughs> I don't think I could do the, the, the stodgy Scottish accent but um, yeah <laughs> no he's not stodgy okay grumpy how about that should I sound grumpy when I read it I write regarding Andrew Douglas's letter criticizing the College of Piping's Tutor One affectionately known as the Green Book Andrew is a fine young piper and his band Oranmore are a credit to him. They are well worthy of their place in the 2011 words World's Final as I wrote in my Piping Times crit last summer. That said, he clearly has a lot of learning to do, particularly in the business of teaching piping. The college's tutor one is the biggest selling pipe book of all time, with just under 600,000 copies sold to date. It is constantly updated and modernized to bring it into line with current thinking on the subject of teaching the bagpipe. It is now available in a wonderful new iPad version. With all the sound files and video files embedded on the page, I believe this to be a major new teaching tool available for the beginner. End of advertisement. <laughs> Not only do they have a book that was formulated in its infancy by Seamus McNeil and Thomas Pearson, with input from the master pipers R.G. Hyrie, Donald McLean of Oban fame, John McDonald of Glasgow Police, his brother Roddy McDonald, Donald McPherson, and John Garraway, but also his knowledge is delivered by, to them using the very me best means modern technology has to offer. It is the book on which the late Alistair Gillies learned his piping, and as our PT ad used to say, need we say more. And in italics, Andrew will have had a product to sell when he wrote his misguided piece, but the way to do that is not by disparaging what he sees as the opposition. If his product is good, it will sell, and good luck to him. If it comes anywhere near the sales of the Green Book, 
he will be doing very well indeed. Yours sincerely, Robert Wallace, Principal College of Pipe in Glasgow. <laughs> yes, uh, it's kind of it's really kind of interesting, you know. Um, and certainly, this uh, letter to the editor has helped us approach our six hundred thousand. <laughs> You're well on your way. For sure. So, but uh, anyway, I do have some points I'd like to. I, I've prepared a few points for <laughs> the show. Uh, that I, I'd like to discuss, and I would definitely like to preface this. And it's it's definitely within my points as well, but um, I have uh, a sincere respect for uh, Mr. Rab Wallace and for the College of Piping, for sure, um, without question. I learned from the Green Book. I think it's a great book, and um, my article was not meant to try to slander it in any way. So if that is what came across, I definitely apologize for that. But um, the following points are in response to Mr. Wallace. Uh, point number one. Uh, I believe in a world where everyone has the freedom to express opinions and to conduct any business endeavor that they wish, uh, obviously with uh, so long as it doesn't infringe on rights and freedoms of others. So it's sort of, um, you know, uh, it's a principle that's, you know, laid out in, uh, you know, the United States Constitution, and it's something that I definitely uh, believe in. Uh, in his response to me, Mr. Wallace does not seem to really believe this, but uh, I do respect his right to say so, and uh, you know, so that's fine. Uh, point two is sort of the bulk of my response. Um, I do not want to live in a world where a singular voice dominates uh, in any sort of field, and definitely in piping. Um, uh, Mr. Wallace does seem uh, to want this in his uh, response. Um, Again, to elaborate, I have a profound respect for Mr. Wallace. He plays a valuable role in the world of piping, uh, both with his involvement at the College of Piping and his editorship of the Piping Times. Um, I also have a profound respect for the Green Book. My dad taught me from the Green Book, and I use the Green Book to teach many of my students currently, uh, and it's as a supplement to the tutor that um, I was discussing in the article. Uh, I respect the fact that so many great pipers uh, learn from the Green Book, as Mr. Wallace has explained in the letter. However, um, I reject the notion that the Green Book is the best, only, or primary way to learn. Uh, I stand 100% behind the criticisms I made in my article um, and in regards to the weaknesses that I see in the Green Book. I also reject the idea that great pipers uh, that the great pipers that Mr. Wallace named learned only from the Green Book. I am almost 100% certain that these pipers had brilliant teachers, and they also had their own voices, which some uh, could argue, you know, um, you know, had, had a stroke of genius to them. I think they had their own voices that helped guide them to the greatness that they achieved. Um, and by the way, um, that's exactly what our tutor is trying to help foster is uh, the voice of the person learning. Um, you know, that's the whole thing. And that's, I think, what the Green Book uh, fails to do. I think it fails to foster in, an individual voice in the player, which is something that means a lot to me and the others that, um, you know, uh, that are sort of believers in, in what we're doing here at the dojo. Um, okay, next thing. I also reject that we should strive to play like anybody, um, even somebody as famous as Alistair Gillis. Right. Um, 
by the way, Alistair is a big mentor of mine. He was a big mentor of mine. I learned from him for many years at the Invermark College of Piping, and uh, he's also a big influence on my playing. And I think uh, having players and other types of music that influence you is great. But the notion that we should try to be exactly like Alistair and other Green Book Pipers is not something that I support whatsoever. Um, next thing is that having known Alistair, um, I kind of feel that it's necessary to express that um, using his name to uh, attack uh, what we're doing here at the dojo, I don't feel like that's respectful to Alistair's uh, life his attitude about bagpiping, and it's certainly not respectful to the music that he made, right, using his own voice. He was a player that believed in doing everything possible to create and to help others create great music, and that is what we're trying to do here also at the dojo. Uh, and to summarize this second point, I believe that we should all express our own voices when we play music. That is the objective of everything that we teach. Alistair Gillis had his own voice, Regardless of how we learn to play, it is his voice that I'm concerned with. How to foster the unique voices of our students is what we're concerned with doing at the Piper's Dojo. All right, point number three. This is a brief point, but uh, Mr. Wallace is clearly in contradiction of his own main point uh, in, his, in submitting this letter to the editor. He is without question attempting to promote the Green Book by disparaging our efforts at creating our own tutor. Uh, that's a brief point, but um, I think it definitely needs to be mentioned. Okay, so it's the pot calling the kettle black, in other words. Point number four, and this is the last point. I'm disappointed that Mr. Wallace has attacked me, Andrew Douglas, personally, rather than attempting to criticize our tutor materials themselves. Okay, I think he is attempting to take the quick and easy way out here. I know for a fact that he has not even looked at the content in our tutor. Um, the way I know this is because in order to look at that content, you need to purchase it from us, just like you would have to purchase the Green Book in order to see what's in that. Um, meanwhile, uh, I've been through the Green Book many, many, many times, and my criticisms of the Green Book come from an actual knowledge of what is in the book. Okay? Uh, and then uh, I would never personally attack anyone for attempting to improve the piping world. Um, I think, you know, isn't that what all piping teachers are trying to do, is improve, uh, you know, individuals and thus improving the scene in general. I will, you can definitely count on me to criticize these attempts, um, you know, especially if they are competing with what we're doing, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, we have a certain point of view and we're going to defend that point of view. Um, I don't find, I don't think it's respectful to attack the person behind uh you know, these efforts, right? The person is almost always just doing their best to improve, uh, you know, the, the world that we live in, right? So I don't think it's reasonable to attack someone personally. Uh, and to summarize all of my points, I'm going to reaffirm that I have an enormous respect for Mr. Wallace and for the Green Book and for the College of Piping, regardless of my criticisms of the content uh, that they have produced. So that summarizes my points there. What do you think? <laughs> Excellent all around. I think they're uh, solid all from top to bottom. One of the things I think you, it needs to be mentioned, too, is that, um, you know, the Green Book is, when, I don't know when the first year of publication of the Green Book was, but, um, you know, if you go back to when Alistair Gillies was a wee boy, 
um, or maybe just before that, um, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who hadn't learned from the Green Book, right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah oh, sure. It's, and and, and it's, its popularity when it first came out is, is a testament to that. Um, however, we're talking in 2012, and, you know, in, in 20 years from now, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find everybody... Uh, you know, people, you might actually run into pipers who never even opened the Green Book. Excellent pipers, you know, um, because we've got now today, we've got what the National Piping Center has a series of tutors. Um, you've got your tutor, um, you know, things that, you know, are sort of making their way out there with different viewpoints and different voices. And, and if people have, you know, gravitate to those things and, and find their path using them, um, you know, all the better. Right. Um, so, yeah. And that's definitely that's exactly uh, that's exactly where I'm coming from here. I think that I think that these tutor systems, and I might say that um, I was one of the reasons I singled out the Green Book is because it is the quintessential tutor, right? Right. It's the quintessential tutor in the traditional method. And so the National Piping Center, they have a tutor. It's really good. I like using that one also. Um, and but it's also very much in the traditional uh, sort of linear approach. So I, I would criticize that one as well. But it's not to say that these are bad materials. It's only to say that um, that the way we want to approach things is slightly different. And when I wrote the article in The Voice, um, he, Mr. Wallace is absolutely correct that I, um, I was trying to promote what we had produced. I wanted people to have an awareness of what we're doing and what our angle was. And so um, our, the article was simply an honest uh, representation of what it was that we're trying to do. Um, looks like guest viewer five learned from logan's tutor there you go (laughs) yeah Yeah, i didn't uh i didn't learn with the green book i learned with the logan tutor as well um and then just working with my instructor so i didn't know about the green book for many i mean um vin and carl um you know and maybe others out there i mean what have your experiences been with the a dojo style of learning like has it has it helped or hurt your uh, quality of play i think you know i think you say i can say emphatically that it's you know it's it's not a, a question of hurting um you know when, when you the minute you take in other ideas and try to adapt them to your own needs um you automatically improve i think i mean that's that's my that's my position i mean you know if you're if you're always questioning where you are or where you've been and you're trying to sort of just tease it out, flesh it out better, taking in more information, then you're going to be better for it. You can't help it. If that's, that's really your intent in the beginning, then you're, you're, you're going to get there. Um, so using, using different ideas and these different approaches, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a refreshing uh, exercise to go back and sort of think back of how you used to do things or how you learned to do things the way you do them. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, thinking about them even deeper to think how you can then adapt that to make it better, you know. Um, that's all, all yeah. that's just something that I think everybody should do always, you know. Um, you know, I think, I think if we just limit ourselves, I mean, Alistair Gillies, you know, to bring up his name again, I mean, he learned from the Green Book, but I'm not, sh- I'm not sure that's where he stayed for very long. Um, he, moved, he moved far beyond it, you know. Let me, um, let me, Donald, I've made you a presenter, so you should be able to turn on your audio and video if you'd like to do that. And um, I'd be interested to hear Donald's thoughts about this, for sure, and then, uh, if, especially if they're somewhat, somewhat brief. And then uh, Donald is also going to segue, hopefully, into um, 
his Pbrock segment as well. So, Ronald, you should be able to turn on your stuff now. Okay. Uh, we can hear is, you. Okay, I just, okay, and one more thing. I've got one more button to push. There it is. Okay, thank you, Andrew. There it is. <clears throat> and thanks very much, lads. Vince, uh, <clears throat> I enjoyed the commentary. And uh, <clears throat> I also... I'm glad, Andrew, that you have uh, encouraged people to think about the topic and not shoot the messenger. Um, and all I, one thing I would like to offer, uh, being a person who has worked off and on for some time at the dojo, I very much believe in the way you're approaching things, Andrew, and I think you're getting some wonderful results. But I do want to put in a word on the Green Tutor <clears throat> and a little perspective. Um, when I first started, there were tutors available. Logan's was one. I actually started out of one called Henderson's Tutor, which probably goes just to the turn of the 20th century. Uh, and there was a phrase that was used in those early tutors. It was always a matter of a brief explanation took place, and then at the end of it, they would summarize by saying, in effect, to really learn how to do these things, you must find a teacher. Um, I don't think, I don't think that that phrase came up a lot in the Green Tutor, and here's the significance of that: when that book was put together by Seamus McNeil and Thomas Pearson, there was becoming an increasing interest worldwide in learning how to play the bagpipe, <clears throat> uh, and. I think the significance of the tutor is the green tutor is that they were attempting to make a good starting point for people who could read the language, whatever the language was. And I know the tutor has been translated into other languages. And just by the way, can you still hear me, Andrew? Background sound yes, has changed. Okay. Yeah, okay. Thank you. I think ben his microphone, which is why uh, the background noise went away. He's got a slight problem. Okay. There. And Donald, if, okay, you can, if you can summarize your points in two minutes and then uh, head into your PBRAC, because I don't want to run out of time. I will. Okay. Well, just to summarize, the significance of that book is people who couldn't get to a piping instructor in those days, because there was no internet in those days, um, I've, saw, I've seen people show up here in Petersburg from remote areas who could play fairly well based on what they got out of that book. They read it carefully, they followed the instructions carefully, and they were actually doing pretty well with that. So I see it as an important stepping stone. We now, as Vince and others have said, have access to many, many learning resources. And of course, it makes sense to take advantage of those things. But I just, I just wanted to say, one hurrah for the old green tutor because it was a stepping stone. And I also recognize that efforts are being made to try to update and bring it along. Uh, and, of course, this is a kind of topic that could go on too long and when we have yeah. limited time. I, I want to talk I just for... I think, right, oh. I think you're right about that. And, and um, if anything, you know, that almost alludes to the similarities between the green book and what we're trying to do here at the Dojo. Yes. And, how it's 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 a, it's a similar thing, right? I mean, we're just trying to we're innovating ways to share piping with with people. Yes, right? and, yes, uh, and, you know, and I, I think that's 
that's an important thing. And anyway, I, I, let's move on. But um, but thank you for those points. Sure. Okay. It's an enjoyable, interesting discussion. I, I'm going to be brief today in the program, and I mentioned in one of my Monday night sessions that it would be nice sometimes just to have a chance to talk about some of the histories and backgrounds of some of these P-Rocks. And so uh, this will be short. I've just picked one interesting history that I want to relay. Many of you know this history, but some of the younger pipers may not be familiar with it. And it's one of the backgrounds given to the P-Rock I got a kiss of the king's hand. And um, if you're not familiar with the melody, here's just a little bit of the ground. I think it's real evident in hearing that melody that it's a cheerful melody. It's, it's got a very upbeat quality about it. It's very attractive, and it's been a favorite with pipers for a long time. There are various legends about this tune, but I'm just going to read <clears throat> briefly uh, from the Wardlaw manuscript. And here's a description of the circumstances in that publication. Um, there was a camp at Torwood in 1651. The king, in presence of his army, noticed a group of some 80 pipers, all of whom were bareheaded, with the exception of one. And of course, this was a form of respect that was shown the king to remove one's hat. This, this piper's name was John McCrimmon. On inquiring why this man was wearing his bonnet and not the others, he was informed by his aide that although he himself was the king, the old man was, quote, the prince of pipers, unquote. The crimin was then called by name, and coming to the king, he knelt, and the king then extended to him his hand to kiss. And the crimin is said to have played this particular tune immediately thereafter. Um, of course, it's a little romanticized, as these things tend to be, but uh, the part of the significance of this is I'm led to believe that this is part of the origin of a piper wearing some sort of Glengarry or Balmoral when they perform. Uh, it's out of respect for the instrument, the music, and the tradition. Um, so it's just a curious footnote that goes along with this P-Rock. I got a kiss of the king's hand. Uh, and it goes back way into the dark recesses of history. Um, that's all I've got to say today. I just wanted to relay that little story. And maybe 
in some of the future Monday nights I'll be able to do will be time to talk about more of the legends. We've been focusing on the playing first off. That's the main drift. Anyway, thanks for having me on, Andrew, Carl, Vince. And I think it's time for me to fade into the the electronic mists. <laughs> yes, uh, well, thanks for joining us. Excellent, Donald. Don. Yes, Donald, um, he teaches a class at Dojo University. On okay. Lines, which anyone in the world can... Uh, we'll see you later, Donald, which... Um, anyone in the world can. All right, fellas. Have a good afternoon. Bye for now. Take care, Donald. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't know if he's still listening or if he might have signed off, but uh, I wanted to say that I, I, I just read, I dug up a paper that I have in my various electronic archives uh, by Roderick Cannon uh, about this very story. And uh, it's, he, you know, he mentions the Wardlaw manuscript and, and, tries to trace back like where the war, where the story might have originated prior to that and where it went since that to come down to us in that form. And he brings up a lot of different uh, spins on the story based on other sources that were similar but not exactly the same. You know, like it was, you know, more or less, you know, questioning whether or not it was actually John McCrimmon, you know, who this was referring to. And it could have been maybe one of the MacArthur Pipers or something like that uh, based on the clans who were involved um, as well as Perhaps it, it took place well after the battle, apparently, that they were assembled for um, and was more like a recognition uh, for services or something like that in, in, in court, actually, you know. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I think what we need to do, we have two more segments that we need to do. Uh, mine's going to be really quick. I wanted to make sure I give a quick tip every week about something about bagpiping. So um, today I want to show how to do... Um, I want to show how to do a quick slip knot uh, with hemp. And I know everybody has different ways of doing this. And um, your ways, if, as long as they work, I support you. Um, but uh, uh, here's how I do it. And uh, it's just a quick tip that you might see. And, of course, if you're listening to this audio only, you're not going to be able to see this, but uh, that's okay because we're getting towards the end here. So when I, when I do, uh, I have a piece of hemp here, and I have... This is just um, a piece of bagpipe that's not currently in use. Um, when I hemp it, there's a couple of techniques. It, the first thing is I like to put the hemp along, I'm trying to show you here, vertically like this. This is how I start it, and I put my thumb down on it, and then I start to wrap. Okay. It's all well and good, and I might wrap a little bit. Uh, there are different ways of wrapping. Right now I'm just doing a really quick job like this. Now, uh, my trick today is, which um, for some reason, I don't know why, it's hard to stay in front of the camera, uh, but here we are, is how to do the slip knot. Now, here's what I do, is I'm actually going to twist the hemp with my finger. I'm going to twist it towards you, towards the camera, all right? And when I do that, it's going to start to form a little loop like this, right? When it does that, I then take the loop, hold it down with my thumb, and just fold it over the top. And by the way, this was taught to me by Jim McGillivray. He taught me how to do this method. Okay? So I'll do another one. Okay? So, uh, whoops. Again, trying to stay in front of the camera. Surprisingly hard. So again, I'm going to twist my finger, like so. It's going to form a loop, which I can grab with my thumb with the other hand, and then I just fold it over. Okay? So that's my quick tip for today. It's nothing, uh, nothing overly exciting. 
Any thoughts on that, Carl or Vin? Another one? No thoughts. I, th I think it's, uh, you know, the whole hemping thing is like one of these things you would think something so simple would be easily known by everybody, but there's a seems to be a varied ways of going about it, <laughs> as there are pipers, you know. Another thing that happens sometimes is people will try to do, they will attempt to do like something like where they they wrap it around like this, and then they try to poke the string through, and then pull it. You know, um, but that not only does that is that a pain, but it actually doesn't get it that tight, right? So, um, so that's where that slipknot trick comes in handy. So uh, anyway, that's my quick tip, and I know. Um, before we're done, Carl has to do his product review, mainly because he's dreading it a little bit, and the other reason is because these are on sale today. They're five bucks off. So Carl's dreading it. I wouldn't say dread. You were definitely I quite enjoy these. You're definitely dreading it a little bit. <laughs> All right, so uh, I have my bagpipes here. We're gonna do a quick review here of this little device. It's called the Piper's Third Hand. Um, as Andrew mentioned, it's on sale today. It's our daily deal. Um, the product review may not always be this daily deal, but uh, kind of a nice thing here. Uh, it's a piece of rubber, and what its purpose is is to cover the holes B, C, and D so that I can take my bottom hand off and tune my drones while um, still listening to the low A. Um, so I'm going to demonstrate this. Uh, one of the first fallbacks you come here is that it's kind of hard to get on once you're playing your pipe. So you actually kind of have to stop and put it in on. So I'll, I'll demonstrate the, the concept here real quickly. Um, so that has enabled me now to tune my drones to my low A using this device and um, not having to play something like D or high A. Um, so that's what it's, it's good for. It is just, like I said, a little bit of a challenge to get on, but once it's on and it's nicely seated, um, it does a, a fine job of getting you down to low A. Um, and it's kind of a nice tool for, for learning how to tune your drones to A. Some of the drawbacks uh, to it are that um, you shouldn't always tune your drones to A. You've got to check the other notes. So if your low A is out and you use this device to tune your drones to let A, well, then your pipes are out of tune if, it's, uh, if your low A is not in tune. So that's one of the drawbacks there. Um, it's also, like I said, hard to get on. But other than that, it's, it's kind of a cool product, and um, I would definitely suggest using it to start to train your ears to tune um, to tune your, your drums to your channel. 
uh, it can be hard as a beginner to kind of hear um, the harmonics on any other note, like uh, D, E, or high A, or anything like that that you're going to be playing while reaching up there. Hey, Carl. Yeah. Have you ever seen these use in the wild? Use in the wild. Yes, I have seen several pipers occasionally use it um, before a competition. I think it's probably more of a device for for the practice time, but uh, I have seen it occasionally. Yeah, I, I think I've only seen it once in use in, the, in you know somewhere in action in actually in active duty. But uh, well, yeah. Um, like I said, not not a, a a thing for everyday use, but a great tool for for uh, developing a, a good ear for drone tuning. I think um, Phil has a good question here, Carl. Uh, he texted to me personally. I, you, you won't be able to see it. But um, he has two of them, and some people question the tonality of it because it leaks a little bit. Um, is that? I think we found that to be maybe sort of the case, right? Like you certainly have to be careful to make sure it's fully covering the holes because otherwise right. the pitch might not be quite right. Right. The first time I did this before the show, um, it wasn't quite completely on um, covering the holes. And I was tuning my drones to A, and they were slightly sharper. And then I kind of put my fingers on top of it and checked that it was nicely on there. And then it lowered the pitch of A. So in other words, um, another note was uncovered and made the pitch slightly higher. Um, so if it's not properly seated, um, you can certainly run into that trouble. Um, and that's one of the reasons I say it's a, it's a good tool for learning, um, but... I would caution against using yeah. it to prepare for. A you, ever, you ever try, you've, have you tried it with different channers, like different different uh, no. different mix channels? I've just tried it with the, the McCallum yeah. that I have. Because some of them, some of them, I, I would wonder like if uh, you know some of the you know wood solo channers tend to be smaller in diameter down toward the bottom than some of the you know plastic band channers and things like that. Yeah, the device itself, if you can see it, it actually expands. So I don't think you'd run into that trouble because this is significantly smaller hole than it is around the channel. So it, it wraps around. Um, so I wouldn't see that as too much of a, a trouble. Um, but, you know, who knows? Cool. Um, good. Well, uh, I want to say, uh, we're going to wrap this up, but uh, I want to say that uh, uh, you can basically get this unit at cost from us today. It's basically what's happening. Um, we have a daily deal. If you go to pipersdojo.com and you select that product and put it in your cart, and then I uh, down in the chat box I, I gave you the, the code, which is um, daily deals. Um, it, we'll give you five bucks off that, which basically, uh, you know, it's our special yeah, product. Feel free to add like you know many more products to your cart. That would be great. But uh, if not, that's also fine. So uh, you're welcome to you know take advantage of this. I recommend checking it out. It's kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of fun, and um, it's a great way to get your drones locked in and, and to practice, you know, listening to, you know, what it's going to sound like for your drone speaker locked in. So, anyway, without further ado, I think we need to uh, kind of wrap it up today. But thank you for joining us. It's really exciting to have, uh, you know, 21 people in here, and we've had we actually had as many as 25 at one point. So, uh, and of course, we will be releasing the recording of this as well, uh, which will be. Uh, which will be good. So, uh, thanks very much, and uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. We'll be releasing what we're talking about pretty soon. Excellent. Have a good afternoon, everybody. Yep. Thanks a lot. <laughs>